Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 30 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you for listening and finding this show. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. This week, our guest is Trish McMillan, and we're going to be chatting about her pitbull, Theodore. But first, in some doggy news, we're going to go to America, and it was a tight race. But the people have spoken. And six-month-old French bulldog Wilbur Beast will be the next mayor of Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. Wilbur will be taking over from the incumbent Brineth Portro, a pit bull who saw out her four-year term. And in other American electoral news, a German shepherd by the name of Major was being fostered and then adopted in 2018 by the Bidens. And he is now in the White House. So from shelter to foster to the White House. That's a nice story. He's also sharing the White House there with his uh, mate, Champ. The results of September's I Can't Believe My Dog 8 has gone to Archer with plastic light fitting. The voting for October will be up very, very shortly on the Facebook group. and You can pick from Chief eating pillows, Penny eating several remote controls, Maui getting onto a injured pigeon and also Sully eating the money. Who is going to be your favourite? And now, this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. How are you, Trish? Great. Thanks for inviting me. No, absolutely. My pleasure. So who is going to be the subject for the discussion today? Well, we are going to talk about my pit bull, Theodore. Oh, looking forward to that. Now, as per normal, I ask everyone to go back in time to just before you met Theodore and take us in through the events leading up to for the, the hows and whys of how you got together. Sure. I was um, working on a dog fighting bust for the ASPCA. So I was at a temporary shelter for about 10 days a month. And I mostly worked with the, the troubled dogs, the ones who we thought we could maybe bring around and make adoptable. So I didn't actually meet Theodore because he was not a troubled dog. I actually worked with his full sibling 
but I didn't meet him until the last rotation when we were doing more dog play. And it was discovered that he has the uncanny ability to get any dog to play. So if the dog's shy, he makes himself all small. If the dog wants to rough and tumble, he can match him. And if the dog starts getting aggressive, he's just got a natural way of just cutting off aggression, which is none of which is typical for dogs from a dog fighting bust. So the person on the rotation before me, my friend Amy Cook, called him the golden boy. And she said, you've got to meet this dog, 947. He is um, he is playing with his sister in the background. If you hear grumbling, that is play grumbling. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he... Amy said, you have to meet him. We call him the golden boy. He's he's just a magical dog. So I met him and I immediately called a pit bull rescue that I work with in New York City. And I said, I know you've never taken a fighting bus dog before, but you have to take this one. He's amazing. He's just the best dog in the shelter. And they said, okay, if you vouch for him, sure. <laughs> and I started the fight bust was over. His owner was put in jail for unbelievable animal cruelty. He, he grew up chained to a barrel. He didn't meet another dog or another person until he was eight months old. Can you guys not play quite so loud? And uh, like I said, he can play. And despite having no socialization, despite this terrible start in life, he was just so amazing. So I, I went to Petco and I got a bunch of, I got him a new collar and I got him some toys and I put him on the transport to New York City and as soon as I put him on the truck, I was like, oh, crap, that was my dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished out my rotation, and about six days later, I was driving to New York City to pick up my dog, and he has been with me ever since. That was 2014. How old do you estimate when you actually got, uh, got him for the rescue? He was about eight months old when he was seized by the ASPCA in August of 2013. So we gave him the birthday of January 1st, 2013. So he is um, coming up on eight years old. Okay. And he was about 16 months old when I got him. He, was, he spent eight months in the shelter. And how was the uh, initial transition into your place? Well, as you can imagine, he was a bit of a wild child because he had lived in, lived chained to a barrel, and then he was in a five foot by five foot cage. And he did a lot of what we call finger painting in the shelter world. So he was very, always very creative and he would dance around in his own poop and smear it all over the cage. So I thought he was going to be hard to house train. And we gave him cardboard to tear up. He always had stuff to do. We gave him lots of enrichment in his kennel at the shelter. But on the way home, driving home, <laughs> I picked him up in Pennsylvania from his foster mom. She's now a friend of mine. Allie Wasmore, awesome trainer, had him. So she got him started with house training. And on the way back, I heard munch, 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 munch in the back seat. And I turned around and he had one of the seat belts scissored in half. And he was continuing on to the next one. So I pulled over, went to another pet store, got him a crate, like, sorry, buddy, if you're going to eat seatbelts, you're going to travel in a crate. And we had to stop in a hotel on the way back. I was living in Illinois at the time. And it was his first time sleeping in a bed with a human. And he was just so excited. He couldn't sleep. He just kept waking up and coming over and kissing me. It was, it was pretty great. So we were pretty seriously bonded and it turned out he was easy to house train. And uh, he's still artistic. He still likes to rip up cardboard. 
he will rearrange things. But uh, it was an easier transition than I was than I was thinking it might be okay. <laughs> with, with his tough start. And did you have any other dogs at the, at the time? I had a lot of dogs at the time. I had four other dogs at the time. So he was number five and uh, they they all welcomed him in. I was not too worried. Can you guys play a little quieter? Theodore, come here. <laughs> it's the witching hour. They've just had dinner. So they're all wound up. Um, yeah, I, the other dogs just welcomed him in and I knew that he could get along with anybody. So I wasn't terribly worried about him and he just ingratiated himself to every single dog. He's like, I'm going to be your favorite little brother. And, and he was. Okay, nice. And how did he sort of, or, and where did he fit into that dynamic? Um, he was kind of the annoying little brother. So he's, uh, I had mostly older dogs at the time and he really livened things up. He would, t- even my old grumpy dog, he'd poke her until he, she would play with him a little bit. He would just sort of do the rounds. He was just, it, it was a lot of fun. I had to travel shortly after I got him and I left him with a friend who had a cat. And I was like, I have no idea. He's a fight bus pit bull. He might have a high prey drive. And she sent me a picture the next morning of him curled up on the couch with the cat. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, so that's good. <laughs> He's good with cats. Good to know. And now he lives on a farm with 18 other animals of five species. So he's good with the chickens. He's good with the horses. He's good with the goats. He makes a lot of noise when he plays, Theodore. <laughs> he's got his sister's leg in his mouth. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's just been amazing. Uh, sounds it. And and it's so nice when it's just like a, that just that uh, natural expression of, of what they are. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong, there were a lot of dogs from his case who were not suitable for adoption. Most of them had some degree, a lot of the adults had some degree of dog aggression because the dog fighters don't keep them if they don't fight. But at the same time, there were some who were clearly going to be very bad fighters. Like if Theo had stayed in his original home, he absolutely would have failed as a fighting dog. I don't think you could, I don't think you could make him fight. And, you know, they're People have Labradors who do not fetch balls. People have Border Collies who don't know what a sheep is. And he is mm-hmm. a pit bull from a fighting bus who has no clue how to fight. But thanks goodness, because that makes him a great pet. Nice. Um, so you mentioned that you had contact with one of his siblings. Do you know how, yeah, actually, how they went? Yeah, the sibling that I worked with the most, his name is Wickham. He's got a Facebook page called The Wondrous World of Wickham, if you want to link to that. He's um, And he was scared of everything. And I'm sure lots of the people listening have a sibling who is nothing like them in spite of having the same parents and the same upbringing. And Wickham, he was very noise sensitive. So living in a loud shelter with 400 pit bulls was really hard on him. There were thunderstorms in the summertime. He was terrified of those. People had to reach in and put a a leash around his neck to take him out to the exercise areas and he was scared of hands and scared of leashes and he'd snap at people and we we worked with him a lot and we found him a wonderful wonderful home in Colorado with a woman who dotes on him and he still can't walk more than three houses away from his home she has to drive him to nice open places to let him run around but he's he's still scared of the city and she got him a, a 
pitbull sister who's a really good therapy dog for him but he's still not normal and we found another brother of his is in florida and um he's a little more outgoing he's a little more like theodore and his name is rami and uh so it is very cool. We sent out their DNA and uh, you can you can ask Wisdom Panel to do a sibling, like a relatedness test. They said they are all full siblings and they were all about eight months old when they were picked up. So they're littermates. Uh, and they're- uh, I had a, a very similar story um, a few weeks ago with a, with a pity. It was a, a rescue uh, penny and she was terrified of everything and the... Uh, the guy that looked after her, Blaine, would just go out and walk her at, you know, at midnight so that there was no one around. And they uh, moved, I think, from memory now, from New York and to Las Vegas. And he just takes her out uh, on adventures, bouldering, and now they do uh, abseiling and, and hiking. And it's just a, a beautiful story, but it sounds very similar. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think Wickham's going to be doing... Uh quite as many exciting things but he has his safe places and he does have he does get to run off leash that's one thing with Theodore is he's always been a really velcro dog as you can see since this is a zoom call people on the podcast can't see he is asleep now with his head on my he went straight from playing to sleeping that's awesome (laughs) um but he's very much a velcro dog and and his brother's like that too he just wants to stay with his with his people so we go back again a little bit to the, the times when you're sort of like assimilating into the, the, the new <laughs> lifestyle. Have there been any sort of interesting stories that you can uh, remember? Oh, man, he is the funniest dog I have ever met. This dog makes me laugh every single day. I don't think, you know, I've, I've had him since spring of 2014. So, and I think every single day I have spent with him, he has made me laugh over something. He's just, he's just so silly and so joyful and so full of life. But his favorite thing is to create art. And he is very creative. And sometimes it just involves rearranging things. I'll find a shoe somewhere that I didn't put it. Um, I'll find, he likes the chicken shovel. I have a shovel that I use to clean out the chicken coop. And he likes to take that onto his bed and do a little scrimshaw on the wooden handle. Um, and I found my, my first degree is in fine art. So I found it made me a little less frustrated with him if I gave his art pieces a name. <laughs> so, so there's a whole section on his, on his Facebook page, Pibbling with Theodore, that is, that is titled Art. And I would find um, the, the most dramatic one was actually when my pet sitter, Magda, was looking after him. I travel a lot for work and I have amazing pet sitters. And she left him alone and he got into the kitchen and he got into her bag of, she had a cooler full of food that she brought with her. And he scattered tea bags and quinoa and soup and all kinds of things, not just in the kitchen. He took it into the bedroom next door and um, took them up on the bed. So there were boxes of soup on the bed. There was all, it was just spectacular. It was a multi-room installation piece. I think it was three rooms in total that he had just 
completely exploded her, her food collection. And um, <laughs> she, she knows that you always take a picture. So she took a picture and sent it to me. And I, uh, I gave it an epic title of some sort. And um, yeah, so he, there have been a lot of art installations over the years. I try to leave him with some, he likes cardboard and that is at least easy to pick up and inexpensive. <laughs> so I, I give him something that he can tear into small pieces and that that seems to satisfy the, the creative the creative side. I actually ended up starting a, a whole Facebook page called Pibble Art Collective. So if you have a creative dog at home and you have a good picture of their artwork, preferably with the artist in it, you can submit it to Pibble Art Collective. But it has to have a title and the artist's name and the date and location. And you can put up an artist statement if you want. And it's if you can laugh. <laughs> It is a lot better than getting frustrated because, you know, punishing a dog after the fact is absolutely nothing. It's what's done is done. And mm -hmm. um, it's much, much better to make light of it, I found. Just going to say that <laughs> the time for, <laughs> you know, feeling, you know, getting, getting crazy over it is well and truly gone. <laughs> yeah. If you don't catch them in the act, it's, uh, it's pretty useless. It might make you feel better, but they're not learning anything. <laughs> uh, nice. So what sort of activities apart from the art does Theodore like? <laughs> There's not much that Theodore doesn't like. He's he's coming up on eight years old now and he still likes to play. He's recovering from a psoas injury right now. So he's supposed to be resting, which you heard him not doing very well in the background just now. He's, um, we, when he's, a little more sound. He has actually four bad legs now. He has two elbows that stick out to the side because of dragging around a 30-pound logging chain for his entire puppyhood. And he's blown out one knee and now his other leg, the foot is collapsing and the psoas muscle is, is messed up now. So he's officially a dog with no good legs. <laughs> but when he's when he's feeling better, we like going hiking. What I, what I do now is I take him out and I walk him for five minutes on leash and then put him back in the car and take the other dogs hiking. But he's wonderful off leash. I used to have to carry him over anything wet. He was not going to go through the creek. If it was muddy, he was like, nope, don't do wet. But he's gotten very brave over the years and he'll now go through. He won't swim, but he will go through creeks that come up to his belly. That's about as, as deep as he'll go. Mm -hmm. And he'll walk through mud and he stays on the trail and he trots a, f a few paces ahead of me. And he's, he's just Mr. Velcro dog. It's pretty awesome to have dogs that you can. And I, I live in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina and there's a lot of places you can hike dogs off leash. So we are really lucky to live here. Yeah, no, nice. So any interesting encounters on the trail? Um. Let me think. I, I have still not seen a bear. I've been in North Carolina for six years and everybody else has seen a bear. My pet sitter, while she was out walking in the dog, walking my dogs, her husband told her that there was a bear in her trash at that very moment. And I still haven't seen a bear, but we, we have seen uh, all kinds of other wildlife. There's turkeys and deer and um, lots of interesting things in the forest. Um, the other thing he really loves doing is going to coffee shops. So I live in a tiny house. It is 160 square feet, which is, I think, 14 square meters. Mm -hmm. It's really, really, really tiny. So I, when I need to do work where I have to spread out a little bit, I 
go to the pre-COVID, I would go to the coffee shop and I would take him with me and he would watch. We live in a university town, so he would watch the students coming in the front door and he could spot the ones that needed a hug from a dog. And he'll just look at them and wiggle and wag and arwoof and until they come over. And then he will put one paw on each shoulder and give them a hug. Like he just seems to know who needs a pick me up. And um, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's like his favorite thing to do. And he's been really suffering now that we don't hang out in coffee shops anymore. I'm hoping we can go back to that soon because it's, uh, it's been really hard. He's a, he's a total extrovert and it's been hard on him not giving hugs. So you you just quickly, you mentioned you're living in a tiny home with Theodore and who else shares the tiny home with you? <laughs> well, there is Maggie the Doberman. There is Rue the little shelter mutt. And there is Aleli, who's a street dog from Puerto Rico. So I have four dogs plus me. And then we have Kindy the cat. So I'm down one cat since April. The other cat passed away in April. So there were six animals and me in the house. And now we're down to five animals and me. <laughs> <laughs> So for those people listening that say, oh, I haven't got the room, <laughs> you do. <laughs> I, can't, I can't have a big dog. I, I, well, I lived in New York City for three and a half years in a, in a tiny little studio apartment, and I had three big dogs then. And it, you just have to be creative. So I'd, I'd go out in off-leash hours and throw the ball until their tongues were hanging out. Those dogs actually got more walks than these guys do living on a three-acre farm because I felt guilty. I would... And they were so good on leash. They got many leash walks every day. I made sure they ran off leash once a day. And you can give a a dog a good life in a small space. It's a little more work. You can't just ignore them. But um, and sometimes in these, I'd have people come to the shelter and say, I live in a little apartment, so I need a little dog. And they'd be looking at our Jack Russells and these little wiry things that just need hours and hours of running a day. And I'd be like, you know. You do all right with the St. Bernard. This dog wants to sleep all day and they mm-hmm. take up more room. It's true, but a lot of the big dogs are lazier. It's nice that you just mentioned that uh, to balance the tiny home, you have a three-acre property that it's actually sitting on. So they do have a, a, a little bit of space to run around outside. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've put in a dog door. So what, one thing that I like to give my animals is a lot of choice. So the horses have just a run-in shed so they can choose whether to be inside or outside the, and the goats as well. They live with the horses. I built them a goat house that they almost never use. They, they <laughs> go into the run-in shed with the horses. I have chickens that free range during the day and put themselves to bed at night. And I love that all of the animals have a lot of choices. They get to run around, they get to interact with one another and the great thing about this farm is that everybody gets along. So the, the farm Facebook page is called Pibble Hill. So if you want to see chickens laying eggs on my couch, <laughs> dogs interacting with the chickens, the horses interacting with the goats, everybody can um, mingle together. And it's it's a really wonderful, peaceful place. Oh, nice. So out of the other species, who would you say Theodore's, has he got favourites? Well, he is has had an unrequited love affair with Kindy the cat for the entire five years I have had Kindy the cat and she is 13 now and she's she's a great cat she will just um smack a dog if they get too close to her she'll give them a nice smack on the nose she won't hurt them but she will let them know cats are pointy and you should be careful with cats so she's really great for 
if I have puppies um, for as fosters or as board and trained dogs, she's really good at teaching them what's what with the cat, with um, <laughs> with cats. And Theo has been trying for five years to make friends with her. And he goes up and wiggles and wags and like, please, is today the day? He lives in hope. Like, this is the day that we're going to be friends. And she's like, <laughs> pops him in the nose. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm, but I'm going to try again tomorrow. I'm going to try again later today. So the next cat I get, I really would like them to be a little more dog friendly because he is dying to have a cat friend. My friend Andrea has used to have the best cat in the world and he got to meet Mush once and Mush came up and rubbed on him and Theo thought he had died and gone to heaven. He's like, there's a cat and I can interact with it and it's not just smacking me. <laughs> uh, what about um, with Pete, apart from yourself, uh, different people, friends? Yeah, I mean, Theo hasn't met anybody who's not a friend. He's um, he's interested. I'd, I'd like to do some therapy dog work with him now that he's a little bit less of a meatball. When he was younger, he was as likely to just sort of pop you in the head and give you a black eye out of love. But now that he's almost eight, he, he has learned to be a little more subtle with his affection. And the cool thing he does is if we are in the coffee shop or if I'm in a room with a bunch of people, imagining we could still do that, we are recording during the time of COVID, but he will see the new person coming in and be like, I don't know you. I need to get to know you. And that's what I look, I've had, I've been lucky enough to be partnered with four therapy dogs over my lifetime. And that's what I look for is the dog who is more interested in the stranger than the person that he's with. And mm -hmm. uh, so, but he loves, loves, loves my pet sitters. So Kat and Magda are the rotating pet sitters. When I, when I used to travel, they would take turns looking after Pibble Hill. They're great with all the animals. And he loses it when they come out here. So <laughs> they will still occasionally visit and um, he yodels and carries on. And I have, I have a video on his Facebook page where they both came out for a barbecue. This was pre-COVID times. And then they both left at the same time and he followed them to the gate and they walked out the gate and he stood at the gate. I'm like, I'm your mother. Don't you care? And he's like, no, those are my people. And they're leaving. It was so cute. So I, I feel really good leaving with all the travel I used to do. I feel really good that he loves his pet sitters so much. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. So um, say a particular area with the assistance sort of dog that you'd be looking at with Theodore? Yeah, I mean, I, I would look into being a therapy dog. So th that is not a service dog. It's not helping me with anything. It is visiting nursing homes, visiting um, my last two therapy dogs were both large breed, kind of scary looking dogs. One looked like a Malinois mix and one looked like it, one, one was a purebred Doberman. And we worked at the VA hospice. So we'd go and visit the veterans and they're a little less scared of big, scary looking pointy-eared Dobermans than maybe your average nursing home. And so I'm, I'm not quite sure what Theodore would like because you, you can go visit schools, you can go visit nursing homes, you can go, um, there's, there's lots of different options, but he just, he loves visiting so much that I think he would really enjoy that work. So hopefully I will get him certified when we're allowed to visit again. Right now there's an awesome program with um, Animal Farm Foundation called Pets Together, where you can do virtual visits. All these nursing homes that aren't, you're not allowed to go visit anymore. 
So the facilities can sign up for a slot and they have like six people with six different animals and you can sign up for which facility you want to virtually visit. And uh, you just sit there and talk about your dog, have them do some tricks. I, I visited once with one of my chickens and she just sat on my lap and stared at the camera. That's <laughs> uh, no, interesting. Yeah, actually just on that, do you, have you had any feedback from the nursing home end? Because I think so much of that relies on the, the physical and the, and the presence of that animal there that uh, and I'm not, not saying that, uh, that that they don't get uh, the enjoyment from seeing it from a, from a zoom meeting but just interesting to see the yeah I'm sure it's not as good I'm sure it's not as fun as petting the animal but I, I when I first started visiting I've done most of my therapy dog visits with nursing homes because I thought you know, I'm such an animal person. And if I was ever in a place where I couldn't care for an animal of my own, I would really love for somebody to bring a pet for me to, to pet and talk to. Mm. So, I, you know, I think Zoom meetings of animals is better than nothing, but we are all looking forward to being able to see people in person again, especially Theodore. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> How is Theodore with kids, with little kids? Yeah, he he likes everybody. He has not met anyone he didn't like. He he got scared by a toddler when he was younger. A little tiny kid came up and latched onto his arm. So for a little while after that, he was a little wary. He would keep some space from little kids. But um, we had someone out fencing a few years ago and his wife would show up with their toddler and the toddler would sit in the truck and just drop goldfish crackers and... <laughs> It are pretty quickly learned, like they don't all barnacle onto your neck and most of them are pretty cool. And, and he really likes kids now. So he's, there's really not any humans that he doesn't, there's nothing living that he doesn't like. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Do you have any um, favorite games that he plays with, with say with, with humans? <laughs> with humans, he, he, well, when he was a little more sound, he liked to play tug of war. Um, he does have a pretty good natural fetch on him. He will grab a toy and bring it back, but his legs are put together so badly that I don't do a whole lot of repetitive running back and forth. Um, he, he likes giving hugs. <laughs> He'll come up and put one paw on me, each of my shoulders and, and nibble on my nose and lick my head. And he's, um, he's a very tactile dog. He, he likes to be touching people whenever he possibly, possibly can. Oh, nice, very nice. Um, so did you take him travelling around much when he was younger? Yeah, yeah. When I was allowed to travel, I, I teach seminars on um, shelter topics and dog aggression and defensive handling. And his favourite thing pre-COVID, if it was within driving distance, if I was doing a seminar within, you know, six to nine hours, I would take him with me. And it was pretty great because sometimes people haven't worked with that many pit bulls. There are people who haven't worked with pit bulls from dog fighting busts. So I would bring his little X pen and bring him up bed and bring him something to chew on and pen him up at the front of the class while I'm speaking. And if there was nobody in there with a service dog, cause he, he can't go and play with other people's service dogs. That's not cool. And often there, often there's at least one, but if people were okay with it, I would open his, his, um, X pen and he would 
just shop around. He would go and stick his nose in everybody's bags and he would jump up on the lap. And usually he'd find a cute girl in the front row and just hop on her lap, put one paw on each shoulder. He's, he's a rather small pit bull, as most of the fighting dogs are. So he's a little too big for laps, but he can do it. <laughs> and he would just sit there and make out with people. It was really I, I called it Pitbull PR, and I, I'm hoping we can go back to that because he really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed having him along with me. Uh, no, nice. But you have to be careful here because there are places that have breed-specific legislation. Animal Farm Foundation has a map. So if I'm traveling and I have to stop for lunch, if I stop in the wrong place and they have uh, legislation against Pitbulls, they could take him away and kill him. So oh, I would look at the map, and if I – it's crazy that i can't, is, i still can't believe absolutely crazy although denver just got rid of theirs i believe so uh we can we can stop in denver again but if i i, I will not spend one dime in a place that has bsl and if i'm traveling with him i will look at the map before we stop for the night before we stop to get gas before we even get a snack and if it's a bsl community we will just drive on through mm. has he done any other um traveling apart from vehicle no, he's uh, he's too big to fit in an airplane. <laughs> he would have to travel underneath, and I am very hesitant to put dogs underneath. And he also has the extraordinary capacity to bust out of a lot of crates. So um, <laughs> I would not want him making art out of people's luggage in the belly of the plane. So um, until we find an airline that will allow pit bulls to travel up top, he's not he's not going to be traveling on a on that but he has been on a boat he does he does like uh we used to have a rubber raft that we'd go out on and he would just lie there and put his chin on the side and watch the water go by so yeah he, he's just as long as he's with people he's happy okay it's gonna say in the boat so long as you didn't have to touch the water i guess oh god no no you gotta have it up on the shore and he gets in and then you'd push it into the water <laughs> does not do water so i had to go um, bath-wise and grooming-wise? Well, when he was at the shelter, he he has terrible allergies. So he was on the weekly bath list. And unfortunately, it was, an, it was a warehouse that they converted into a shelter. So it was not set up for dog baths. So they had a big horse trough that they would carry him and drop him in and lather him up and rinse him off with cold water, which I think is where the water aversion may come from. So the first time I had to give him a bath at home, because he still needs weekly bath, he's still allergic to the world, he would put he practically put one paw on either side of the door frame, just like, <laughs> you are not taking me in there, you are not giving me a bath, this sucks. And what I've done is peanut butter therapy. So I would take peanut butter or squeeze cheese and put it on the bathtub wall mm -hmm. and carry him in there and give him a bath and he would lick the peanut butter on. And it's so funny. This is, you know, years in now. If I take one of my other dogs into the bathroom and try to give them a shower and I have to shut the bathroom door because he will stand there and scream and yodel and carry on. Somebody else is in there. Somebody's getting my peanut butter. Let me in. Give me a bath too. So you, you can change dogs' minds about a lot of things with positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. How do you go with uh, nail clipping? Um, he's good with that. I have to pay him one treat per nail, but um, 
that that is my that is my rule with all of the dogs, and they pretty much all line up now and just say me next, me next. I see that it's a reasonable I, price. I, yeah, I put a pile of treats in front of them, and I do one nail, and then pick a treat off and give it to them. So they're staring at the treats, so they're not really thinking about the nails, and that's what I've done with everybody, and no problem. Some some dogs it takes a while. You start with just holding their paw and uh, not clipping a nail, but um, I get them all there. <laughs> my my worst one, it took me six months to do the first nail, but I had her for 10 more years and we had no arguments over nails after that. Oh, nice. Um, now we mentioned a couple of his medical sort of things uh, earlier, but did you have, have you ever had any sort of like uh, medical dramas? Um, hmm. I think the most dramatic thing he did was he blew out his knee a couple of years ago. So, and I just woke up one morning and he was hobbling around on three legs and that was his cruciate ligaments. So that was probably the most dramatic medical thing he's had. The allergies have been a, a long, slow slog, but we've, we've settled on Cytopoint, which is magic. And he gets that shot every month or two and it's been wonderful and Believe me, we tried everything else before that. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad we found something that gave him some relief because he spent a lot of his life really, really itchy. Mm -hmm. I was just going to ask how, how bad were the, the symptoms? Yeah, they, yeah they, were, they were bad. And he wore a big, heavy collar. They had weighted collars on them with these um, big shackles. And he had no hair under the collar and he still has very little hair on his neck from that, that collar being on it for the first eight months of his life. Mm. Very good. Yeah, he's always a little bit red when I take him to the to WAGHAV for his physical therapy, which is we're just on the frequent flyer plan at this point. Um, they they have a thermal imaging device so they can see where the heat is on him and decide, you know, is it in his knee? Is it in his heart? And every time they take a picture of him, they're like, he is hot everywhere because he has very little hair and his chest is just red and is like any place that the fur is skin it, between the allergies and him having no hair it's it's hard to tell what's hotter than any other body part because he's just a very hot dog mm. so i say with uh, some of the rehabilitation um are they doing any like hydrotherapy and yeah yeah so that that was interesting because he started the hydrotherapy with the knee and um he, the first time we put him in the tank, we were not sure that he would ever get in it again because he was like, this is a creek and I'm getting wet. And, uh, but the same thing happened. We did peanut butter therapy. We put him in, we gave him some peanut butter, just brought the water up to his ankles, put him in, brought the water up a little higher. And now it's the same thing. If they, if there is um, another dog in the hydrotherapy machine, like his sister blew out her knee and she had to go for hydrotherapy and I'd bring him along just because he loves Waghab. And he would sit there and scream at her the whole time. You're in the peanut butter machine. Give me peanut butter too. So we'd have to have one spatula of peanut butter for him and one spatula of peanut butter for her just to keep him quiet. <laughs> there you go. Getting a bit of a theme here with the peanut butter. <laughs> you know, a lot of things can be overcome with with treats. I'm a big believer in uh, better living through snacking. Absolutely. So, would you say just on that, with any sort of uh, training and behaviour, responds better to treats or to play? 
Um, definitely treats. <laughs> treats are his thing. He, when he was younger, he really liked tug of war, but with his orthopedic issues, we don't do a whole lot of that anymore. Um, he would definitely work hard for his tug toy, but um, treats are his jam, boy, oh boy. And he, he learned, he is so smart. He learns tricks really fast and he works very hard for his snacks. It's, it's very cute when he's trying to meet people at the coffee shop, he'll throw out all of his tricks for them. Just like, look at all the things I can do. Come and say hi to me. What believe would, what they say about pit bulls. <laughs> what would be some of his uh, better sort of tricks or more unique tricks? I don't know that they're unique, but his his favorite one, I call it be a bear, because you can't say sit pretty to a big old muscular pit bull. <laughs> so he'll he'll sit up on his on his hind legs and hold his front paws up. And I when I say be a bear, and he does look like a little bear with his little cropped ears. <laughs> oh nice. Easy to train with the treats? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he will do absolutely anything for a treat. And I, I do have to keep him on the slim side. I, I try to keep him thin enough that I can see a rib or two just because he should not be carrying more weight than he needs to on those poor four bad legs. So he's he's pretty much always hungry and he is ready to work anytime. <laughs> nice. Um, would you think that he has any uh, peculiar habits? <laughs> he has so many peculiar habits. <laughs> he's he's just a funny, funny boy. I think we've talked about a lot of them. The uh, Trying to make friends with the chickens, trying to make friends with the cats, making art. Um, he's very talkative. You heard him a little bit before we started recording. He's uh, He's got a very unique voice. It's, it's a nice voice. It's not a high-pitched, <laughs> screamy one like some pit bulls. He's got a nice baritone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is not afraid to use it. He And he has learned, like, if we are waiting in line at the at tractor supply where they always have treats behind the counter, he'll go up, put his paws on the counter, and arrwoof at the person behind the counter, which either... <laughs> Either makes them scream or makes them laugh, depending on how they feel about pit bulls. But yeah, he's 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 just so funny. And when I I started some agility training with him, just like pre agility when he was younger, I knew he wasn't going to go very far at it because of the way he's put together. But I thought it'll, it'll be a fun thing to do, and we were just you know walking around cones, and um, there was one part where we had to teach him to stop with two feet on a box and two feet on the grass. And when he did that properly, he was supposed to run up and take a treat from a dog food bowl where the instructor was going to drop a treat in. And he, he stopped where I asked him to and stood there. And then he saw the dog food bowl and he broke out of his, out of his two on two off, ran over to the dog food bowl, picked it up, brought it over to the box and lay down on the box with the dog food bowl with nothing in it. Of course, the instructor didn't give him a treat for breaking his stay and everybody laughed and that was it. So he's like, this is what I'm going to do every time because people think it's funny. So it was a bit of a disaster, but he had fun. (laughs) Oh, that's the main point, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's, He's hilarious. Um, a question I ask everyone is to complete the sentence. I can't believe my dog ate. Well, this happened a couple of weeks ago at a seminar and we're doing Zoom seminars. So this was the Aggression in Dogs seminar, big, big conference. There are about 10 speakers and they had a night where the speakers had to have a um cocktail party so we all were 
talking on Zoom and people could ask questions in the chat and Theodore came in with a rat. I, I forgot to say the one animal that he is, does not want to make friends with is rodents on the farm. He's taken on the job of vermin control. He's not very good at it. He's not very fast. The cat may have actually killed the rat, but he brought in a very dead rat and showed up on the Zoom call with a rat in his mouth. And um, he was not giving up that rat. I, I asked the participants, how do you think I should get this out of his mouth? And they're like, trade for a treat. I'm like, I don't have a treat. I don't have a treat better than freshly dead rat. So I tossed him outside and I don't know where he went with the rat, but about half an hour later, he came in with half a rat. <laughs> So that's probably the strangest thing he's ever eaten. <laughs> uh, probably got a few nice comments from the rest of the Zoom meeting. People. Yeah, that pretty much stole the show. That was <laughs> that was all anybody could talk about after the about the um, the Zoom cocktail hour was Theo and his rat. A few people grabbed screenshots of all of the speakers looking appalled and me holding a pit bull with a rat in his mouth. <laughs> Uh, still, but it's um, nice to have a bit of vermin control around the house. <laughs> as, as well as comic relief. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, is, um, any other sort of like interesting stories coming to mind at the moment? <laughs> well, I think, I think one of the big honours of Theo's life was he was invited to be the guest of honour at the... Um, Hello Bully Gala in um, Pittsburgh a few years ago. And I thought nothing really hilarious happened other than, you know, Theodore being Theodore. But it was it was really great just to think about while his owner is in prison and he got an eight-year sentence, so he'll be in prison until Theo is close to 10 years old if he serves his full sentence. And we got put up in a really nice hotel and Theo wore a little black tie <laughs> And we all got dressed up and went to this gala to help raise money for pit bulls. And he was a guest of honor along with a couple of other famous pit bulls. And it was just so cool to, to see this dog sleeping in a luxury hotel. And the, they brought him his own little bed and wearing his little black tie. And just thinking about the man who wanted him to fight, who had inflicted all of this cruelty on his friends and relatives and thinking about him being in a prison cell and his pit bull living the good life. I think that was a, a really wonderful moment. Couldn't picture a better piece of karma if you tried, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I agree. Karma is real for sure. Oh, that's nice. Tell, tell us a little bit about that that function. Yeah, Hello Bully is a great um, organization. They help pit bull dogs and the gala that they have in Pittsburgh every year. I'm not sure what they're doing in the time of COVID. It, it raises a lot of money to help dogs. And my friend Daisy Wise runs the group. She's She really does rescue right. Like there's there's rescues and then there's rescues. But Hello Bully is a, a really great, um, great organization. And we're really proud to support them. Wow, that's excellent. One of the, the current sort of like headline misunderstood breeds. Yeah, they're uh, people, people either love them or they hate them and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot in between. But <laughs> Theo's, Theo's done, his, done his very best to convert as many people as he can and I, I think he's done a pretty great job. I think so as well. And it's just, just going to go on and on for many, many years. <laughs> I sure hope he's got many years left. He's a great dog. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you very, very much for, for sharing some of the, the life of Theo. Did you want to uh, just promote some of your own sort of like websites and things? Yeah, sure. I am a dog trainer. So Theo's one of the things we didn't talk about is he's actually one of my best helper dogs. If I'm working with a client whose dog wants to yell at other dogs on leash, which is probably the number one thing I work with, he's always the first dog I bring out because I know he will never yell back at them. He's he's always super appropriate with dogs. Um, if people bring a puppy out who's never met another dog, Theo is the first one I will send to convince that puppy that dog's are a good thing. So my business is Macmillan Animal Behavior here in North Carolina. It's trishmcmillan.com, but I can work with anybody in the world now because I'm doing it all virtually. And um, you can make your own appointment there. And I'm also doing some projects on Thinkific. I, I run a grief support group for people who have euthanized animals for behavior. It's called Losing Lulu. I run that with a Canadian trainer, Sue Alexander. And we have a webinar series around behavioral euthanasia that is up on our on the Shelter Behavior Hub. And I'm putting together a Shelter Behavior Mentorship for people who volunteer or work in the Behavior Department of Shelters to help them. Um, another really important area that I think is, is overlooked in general. Yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot of teaching around shelter behavior and it, the mentorship's goes through everything from intake to post-adoption support, every place that behavior and sheltering overlap and really helps behavior people do things according to best practices and, and to help get more dogs homes, which is why we do it. Wonderful. So, yes, if you need any assistance with that, contact Trish and Theodore, who are going to help you out. <laughs> Yeah, Theodore likes to show up on pretty much every Zoom call. You've already seen him a couple of times because stick his head into this frame on, on this Zoom call. Thank you very, very much again for your time. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Always happy to talk about my dog. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to Kofi, that's K-O-F-I, Kofi, Coffee, or dot, whatever, and find the relaxed dog. Also, if you want to leave a review, like, or share on whatever platform you are listening to this on now, it would certainly be appreciated. Until next week, stay safe, and remember, your dog is family.